We'll kick it old school, as it were, with the microphone in hand. So, hey, uh, my name is Will. Guys, welcome. Um, man, exciting day, family worship day. So that means all the kids are in here with us. So if you got your family in here, please, just so that you know, I don't feel nervous, embarrassed, worried about them talking or participating. That's awesome. That's what this is for. Uh, spoiled adults, sometimes, you know, we, we get spoiled. And so I'm glad to have the kids in here and worship with them. Um, we're going through the book of First John today. You know, when you prepare these sermons and you're the pastor, sometimes you get excited and sometimes you get nervous and sometimes you're tired. But today it's kind of fun because at the end of this, I'm going to let you into the madness that is my brain as God was talking to me and like sort of open my journal to you, if you will. So you might want to commit me at the end of this or maybe you'll just love me in spite of that, okay? Uh, so we are in First John chapter 4. And let me, let me rewind a little bit in case you haven't been with us. Wait a second, Will. This is not First John that you put up here. Right, Romans 7. A couple building blocks for you, okay? A couple things that we're talking about. One, Paul wrote a letter to Christians in Rome. And in that letter, even the apostle Paul, you guys heard of him? Right, wrote most of the New Testament. Supposed to be kind of a hero, a giant of our faith. He explained in Romans 7, one of the things he explained was the madness that is being human, yet being regenerated in Christ. And, that's, and I put a little bullet point, which is directly quoted out of the ESV. The first thing it says here is, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. What Paul explained was, if you are um, somebody trying to follow Christ and you become regenerated, what's reborn in you is a spirit right? Your spirit, your inner being is, is reborn, and it's going to live forever with Christ. So you're the inner part of you, your inner being, your spirit loves God's law, his rules. You know what's right. You really want to do it. But the problem, he says, but I see my members, in my members, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members, and he also says, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So the reality that even though at your core and in your spirit, you long to do the things of God, follow his laws, there's a war that you're battling. And it's a war with your members. It's a war with your flesh, your desires, your fears, your uncertainty. And then the powerful thing at the end of that, that, that I brought up to you that I believe the Holy Spirit just illuminated for me was how Paul overcame this to be a man who struggles with these things to a man that God could use is he with his mind chose the law of God over the law of sin. So before we go forward, let's just pray. Uh, Lord, I ask you to lead us in this time where we look into your scripture. Lord, give me your words. Uh, let me make it about you, not about humor or getting people to like me, but to, but to show the truth, uh, to shepherd these people into the truth and love. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit uh, would be in our midst and in us, speaking to us, convicting us, leading us into all truth and righteousness, Lord, and sharing your love with us. I pray, Jesus, in your name. Amen. So there's this reality that I need to point you back to because you're going to see this do you see this is the first question, right? Do you feel this? There's a part of you that continues to do the things that you wish you wouldn't do in weakness, even though you know and you love God and you want to follow him. So 
then last week we talked about uh, false prophets and false teaching. Really popular and fun. But here is, here's that list of five things to look for. You can test for truth, test for true teaching. Uh, but what I wanted to say is I picked on three groups, okay? I picked on three groups. And the idea is if, if what I choose with my mind is that important, if the, my flesh and the world around me who's obeying the flesh is offering me one form of truth, which isn't true, and if the Spirit of God, which lives in me and through me, is offering me a different truth, then it's my choice which one I'm going to follow in every moment. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, what happens when you're getting lied to and, there are, and they're trying to make your mind choose the wrong thing? It can be detrimental. That's why... In these letters to Christians, Paul, Peter, John, they're constantly warning against teaching that's not true. And so trying to to shepherd you in that, I picked on three different areas I see in our culture. One was the real kind of legalistic, like the Bible is everything. Study the Bible, dig into it, the history, the prophecy. The danger is if, if all you're doing is studying the Bible academically, that doesn't always lead to knowing God personally. And so you can have a brain full of facts and a heart full of nothing. And so there's a big movement in Christianity. It's been there for a long time where ritual, practice, intellect has been elevated above God himself, above Jesus our Savior. Okay? So I picked on them. The second group is... That group has led us to uh, divorcing ourselves from the Holy Spirit. So another group came in and said the Holy Spirit, the experience, the power, the feeling is everything. And that has been elevated above God to the point where they would say, we're here to glorify the Holy Spirit. If someone's telling you that, what I pointed out is that's wrong because the Holy Spirit's job is to glorify and elevate God in Christ Jesus. Okay? So if, if we follow false teaching that puts that ahead of God, even though Holy Spirit sounds like a good thing, right? Right? Like three scoops of ice cream sounds good, so 36 must be better. Not always, okay? The third group that, that I picked on, especially over the last year, because anyone who loves democracy, anyone who's conservative in their politics, anyone... Um, who watches certain news channels, hates what's going on in our world and thinks it's all going to hell, right? Guess what it is, all going to hell. That's, that's a fact, okay? Now, but that has become elevated even within our midst because you're angry and you're upset. Some of you fought for the ideals of this country. I don't blame you for being upset and passionate about. However, if your devotion is to political Christianity, wrong God, okay? So we had to point you back to all that truth. That's what that was about. So I want to continue on in this. I bring this up because the next thing i got to talk to you is about being loving. Wait, we just talked about that like every day since the last, since the beginning of my life. Yes, because it's so important. Even in 1 John, we're coming upon the third time that John is bringing this up. And it starts in verse 7. So hopefully you've opened your Bibles or opened your app and we're ready. Uh, Verse 7, chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 9. 
In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God is so loved, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Okay, that's the scripture we're going to cover. Let me call to your attention part of verse 7. These words, beloved, let us love one another. So why why am I bringing this up on the end of false teaching? Because ultimately, if you and I walk this out, I have to shepherd you, and that is to feed you and protect you, okay? So sometimes I have to give you a message of protection just to say, don't follow every whim and teaching that's out there, but test those for truth, okay? But I don't need to do that in a way that's not loving, okay? Because what we're commanded to do, and really, ideally, I should be able to come up here and and simply tell you, God says, love your neighbor, and you should do it, because God said it, and God is that powerful and that important. Well, I wish we were, I wish we were in heaven, because then that would be so, but we're not. We're here, and we're Romans 7, battling back and forth, not doing the things we want to do but falling victim to the flesh and the world around us that's calling upon our flesh. But what John is saying here, what I need to tell you, you guys want to be Christians, you want to follow Jesus, we have to listen to this letter. And and what John is saying here is be loved, right? Like someone who's loved, who's cared for dearly, who's special to God. Let us love one another. The idea is not in a single act, but it's the continuing action of loving. It becomes a habit of loving. Keep on loving. That's why he keeps bringing it up. If it's repeated, it's important in the scripture, okay? Even in this small letter, this is the third go-round. John 2, he talked about it. John 3, 1 John 2, 1 John 3, and now 1 John 4. We're not getting a chapter through this without him getting back to love. So I would say this is important enough to listen to and look at. Then it goes on in verse 7, says, for love is from God. Well, here's a problem. Connor, we, we have a bad definition of love, right? We do. We have a bad definition of love. The word here that continues to be used over and over again, agapao, right, is the Greek word for it. It's actually a verb. So it's an active thing. And the idea is this, to give you the definition, it says to love, to be full of goodwill and exhibit the same, to have preference for, wishing well to, regard the welfare of. And and I put a little note in there. This is an unconditional love. See, this is the type of love that's God's love, which could be described as the agape love, right? It's unconditional. Its strength is not the recipient's goodness. It's not the recipient's value. It's not the recipient's actions or worth for that love. The strength is it, strength in it is the one who offers it. Does that make sense? Very different than you and I think. It's not earned. You don't have to look a certain way, act a certain way to get that. It's all determined on the one, by the one who's giving it. And then it goes on to say this, and whoever loves 
has been born of God and knows God. So we've been reborn in God and given a new nature. And with that new nature, we can choose to go with that nature or to fight it. But the new spiritual nature a Christian has been given is someone who can love like God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I know not, not perfectly, not without error. But this is what you should want. To love like that. This is what we should want. To act like, like who we really are, who our new nature says we are. But it's impossible without the Holy Spirit. To love like God. It's impossible without God's own power for you to harness love like his. So when you fall into your flesh, you fall into your sin, then, it, then you can do unloving things, and then we have to do what is called repenting. We have to change our direction and get back to loving like God loved. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says this, His divine power has granted us to do all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So right now this, this feels kind of like uh, very much in your own power, right? Will's like, choose better, do better, be loving. Well, ultimately what it is, is you guys have been given this new nature in a powerful way by God through Christ Jesus, through the power of God that lives with you. And without that, you won't do it. So making a commitment to yourself to just love like God does is not enough. You have got to go to the source. And what Peter is telling it's, just, it's one Peter, okay, even though it's two letters. It's not like a second Peter. This is the same Peter, but he's explaining you've been given a new divine nature. You're being delivered out of all this corruption. There's an opportunity for you to do better. Here's another thing. Know this to be true. Children reflect the nature, character, and behavior of their parents. I see the teachers like, no, nah, I can see that, right? Like, anyone who's a teacher, you get to know the kid, and you're like, oh, something's good at home or something's gone awry. Fair enough? And you meet their parents, and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. When I was a coach, it made sense, too. Like, yeah, I see that. Maybe I could say the same thing about you guys, right? But you reflect the nature of, of your parents. I have three kids, and each one of them could tell you a little bit about me, not in words, but by who they are and their actions, how they think, their very nature. Some of that is reflected, and we can debate all day whether that's uh, genetically inborn or taught. But honestly, they're not born in a vacuum, so it's both. But either way, children reflect the nature and character and behavior of their parents. So if you and I want to be children of God, then we should reflect the love and character shown by our Heavenly Father. And how did my, par- how did my kids learn that stuff? Spending time with me. How are we going to learn to act like God, spending time with him and his presence? See, anyone who does not know, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. The idea of knowing here is, is not like an intellectual 
acknowledgement, but it's actually to know, to experience, to, to understand. It's actually the same word used for the interaction physically of intimacy between a husband and wife. So we're talking to really know deeply. Verse 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Guys, and this is where your brain and mind start to melt. You're like, you're going fast through this, I know, because I want to talk to you about it. I, I want to I share with you um, some truth, right? Um, everything I'm reading here isn't new to anyone who's been around the Bible in a church. But I think John's repeating this again and again so that we can learn and, and explore new aspects of this that will hopefully help us to become more like Christ. See, the love of God showed up. The love of God appeared. The love of God can be demonstrated by Jesus. And it says that Jesus did that so that we might live through him. I find that a little troubling. I don't know, Derek, you might ask, why do you find that a little troubling? Thank you for asking, Derek. I don't know if I see this all the time. Are, are we living? Are the uh, quotation, air quotes, air quote, Christians, air quote, living like this? Are, are we living through him? And I mean, the fact that you didn't jump to, yes, 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 for sure. Good for you. Good for you to stop a moment and to ask. Because if you've got a world trying to pull everyone away from God, and then the people who are his ambassadors don't seem to be alive, um, it's not a fair fight. So something, what's missing here, Randy? What's, What's missing? So verse 10, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation. Another word for that could be the satisfaction for our sins. That Jesus satisfied our sins. Okay, so let let me let me stop a second here. So what he's saying here is love was manifested. Right? Love appeared. It was made visible. It was defined. It was taught to us by Jesus and through what? His sacrifice. His sacrifice. So because he did that, verse 11 says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Because Jesus did that, then you and I, should be able to love other people that way. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So let me give you a picture in, in, in the physical, okay? Um, 
if you, if you had good parents, you'll get this. If you didn't have good parents, man, I am, I am sorry. And I hope you have been, or I hope you're being good parents. And I hope that you're creating new generational trends for your family that weren't given to you. But here's what it was like when you had good parents. I had good parents, and they had good parents. When I was a kid, man, I, I loved people. Steve, I loved people, man. I, I was a sucker, if anything. I was gullible for people. You know what else? I loved goodness. Like the couple times, okay, that's, I won't say it that way, but if I did something wrong, it wasn't long before my mom knew the wrong thing that I did. Right? And, and, and my parents are still here, but my grandparents, three out of four, have passed on from this life, right, graduated. But I saw my parents who had good parents to the very end love their parents and be there for them because they knew they had good parents. And in that, even at 60 years old, when you have good parents, the love of a parent is such a place of safety. Back in the old days, okay, no matter how hard the week was, sometimes if I, if I didn't do as well, in the, I was into sports, right? If I didn't do as well in the game as I wanted. Or when I won office when I ran for student council and when I lost the office for when I ran to student council. When I told a girl I liked her and she rejected me, right? All those things, even the hard things that happened, here's what we would do. I had home. I had home. My parents gave me home, and we used to have these things. So you'd have to drive, well, you'd have to run there and dodge dinosaurs back in the old days. But you go to this place called a movie store. And in the movie store, there'd be a movie you wanted to see, and it would be in VHS tapes, and you'd be holding your breath, right, Derek? You would hold your breath like, I sure hope it's there. So you'd go because if the actual case with the image on it was there, the movie was there, and you were good to go. If not, oh, man, you couldn't get that movie that night, and you had to move on. So... When all else failed, there was home, there was safety, there was love. There was like a pizza from the pizza shop. If you've lived here 30 years, you might know what that is because we didn't have all the chains. It was a small town, and you'd go to the video store next door, and you would hope and pray that the movie you really wanted to watch, one of the 13 copies was there, right? You'd get that. You'd get back in your Flintstones car, dodge the brontosauruses on the way home, uphill both ways in the snow, and then you'd get home, and you'd be safe. Why? Because you were loved the best I could ever be loved. Because I wasn't jaded by the world. And even though my parents weren't perfect, I trusted them a heck of a lot more than I've trusted my wife or you probably as some jaded adult. And you could have offered me all sorts of things to hurt myself. It would have made no sense to me to take drugs. It would have made no sense to do all the sinful things that adults do to cope when you're a kid because you were loved well. And so God is saying, like, I love you so much that you don't have to be afraid. Because when you offer someone else love, if they don't reciprocate it, oh, well, there's always home with me. There's always home with me. And then the, the thing that really, guys, that really messed with my head this week, okay, is in verse 12 here. Like I said, very common scripture. At the end of this, it says, if we love one another, God abides in us, 
and his love is perfected in us. So this is so anti-religion, right? This is so anti-religion, and I love it. I'm excited about it, okay? So here's what this section of Scripture told us. This is why I raced through it, because I, I want you to hear this. First of all, the truth is this. Love comes and originates from God. This is his nature. This is what he does. He eats, sleeps, and goes to the bathroom awesomeness, okay? It's love all the time. Even his judgment, even his correction is love, perfected, okay? But here's a problem. Here's something that we forget. Do you know that God is invisible? That's what John said. Well, I don't know. No, no, let's be honest, okay? Let's be honest. Well, what about the scriptures? Well, you can argue about that, but there's a lot of thought that when God showed up even in the Old Testament, right, it was Jesus showing up before he took bodily form and came. And that's why John can say no one's ever seen God, because what they saw was Christ, God with us, Emmanuel, right? So God is invisible, and so no matter what kind of religious garbage I want to throw at you, how do you see his love? Okay, let me give you the answer. In reverse, when you look back, you're like, dang, God sure loved me. Right? Right? So here was the perfect plan, the invisible God, and that's why you have this section of Scripture where it seems silent. He constantly had people, these prophets, teachers, judges, let me tell you about God, the invisible God. Yeah, whatever. Well, the people failed, so then God failed in their eyes because the best they could see was people and not God. So God's like, I'll do one better. I'll I'll send God in man form, flesh and blood, all God, all man, to reveal love. Love was revealed by his son, Jesus Christ. And it had to happen because we had to see it. We had to see it and know it. But it wasn't done yet. Because even Jesus, who was with the people, they're like, yes, we finally got it. We know God, right? What they kept saying is, when are we going to see God? And Jesus would say what? You've, You've been with me. You've seen God. And when they're starting to finally get that, he really jacks with them. He's like, I got to go. <laughs> what? What? But Jesus, you know, where are we going to get the fish and the bread? Who's going to calm the storms? And he's like, but the Lord, the Father's got one better for you. He's sending the helper, the Holy Spirit, which is going to tell you what God is up to, is going to lead you into all truth, convict you in righteousness and truth, walk with you all the days of your life. You're not going to have to go to his house. He lives in you. You're not going to have to go to a temple. He lives in you. But as the saying would go, with that great power comes great responsibility. Now it's up to you and I, any of the children of God who carry the Holy Spirit with them, to reflect that love of God. Because how in the world is Casey going to know the love of an invisible God that he can't see? Sure, we can do religious undertones. I got the parking spot. God must really love me. Well, that's great that you got a blessing, but that doesn't really, that doesn't work. What John is saying is it's our responsibility. It says the love of God was perfected. Not, not that we made it perfect. The word is complete. That's a better word. It's completed. It's actually shown now if you and I do this for one another. Okay, so now let, now let me bring you into the journal of a madman, okay? So here's my first question. Lord, we hand aside all the religious stuff that we've been taught. Let's just be honest for a minute, okay? 
And we'll pray no more lightning strikes, okay? We'll just be honest for a minute. Do you know this agape kind of love? Are you getting that anywhere? I mean, I I hope that you do. Um, Maybe a great parent feels like it's coming close. Maybe you have a great friend that you feel like that's that way. Maybe you have a spouse that feels that way. Maybe you have that kid. But the problem is we're like people. And we get sick or we die or we get in a bad mood. You ever just wake up in a bad mood, right? Or you get selfish. I know you really need, but I need. It hits a wall eventually. Or, or what we getting is just an imperfect um, version of love that, that people can offer. Well, here's why this is a problem, right? Because you and I only can understand based on our experience, really, at the heart of it. So we end up thinking of God the same way that we think of each other. Like God's mad at me. I didn't live up to this edge of the bargain or this part of the bargain, right, my side of the bargain. He's quiet. He's angry. Maybe he's in a bad mood. We begin to give him the personality traits of you and I, and that is not how it works. So how could you know God's love if you can't see it? See, that's the thing is we don't want to talk about that because doesn't that sound awful? Well, I can't see God. You're supposed to see God, right? And -and so-and-so in his basement saw God. Well, maybe, okay, but... But what I can say is the day-to-day, you aren't seeing God in a physical form. And please, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to, like, kill all the cool Holy Spirit things that can happen. I, I do think you can see God in beautiful sunsets and, like, all of that and bring praise to Him. But all those things simply mess with your feelings, right? So... The explanation that I would get from people is, yeah, I see God. Well, it's always feelings-based, right? I could just feel him, man, the goosebumps, right? Jim, the goosebumps, man. It was like the hair on the back of my, my neck. The goosebumps came. I could, I could feel him. So I can't talk with my hands with the microphone. But here's the problem with feelings. Some days they're right on, right? Sometimes they're right on. Other times, they're off, way off. It depends on which claim of truth they're being based on. And they move and shift and sway and flip and flop and can't be counted on. And then it lends itself into what? Either you hate feelings, so you do the one false teaching of like feelings have no place in your faith, or you do the other false teaching of feelings are everything in your faith. And you become a crack addict for the next time that the Holy Spirit can manifest something that makes you feel good. And then as churches, we do these tricks to make you feel good because we can rock it out just the same as Aerosmith, right? And you can feel really good about it and get emotionally moved, right? But it, it's, it's trash. It's, it's incomplete. And unfortunately, truth doesn't always drive our feelings. So it leaves me with this conclusion. No wonder we lose hope. No wonder you lose hope. No wonder I lose hope. Well, that's strong. Well, no, it, it is that strong. It's that strong. So no wonder we say, you know, that we believe that we don't have to earn 
God's favor. We say that. We love that. But our eyes don't show that. Your eyes don't show me that. Your eyes show, like, I'm not good enough to really get God's love. I I won't really accept that God loves me. Because if I did, it would be like the movie rental in the pizza shop. I would be home, and I could love you like crazy because what are you going to do to me? But we don't really think that God loves us that much. We don't really think that we can be used by God. We don't really think that we're good enough. We're constantly striving to do better and be better to get God's love. And then if we don't have God's love, what are we reflecting? An incomplete half love instead of a perfect, complete love. So instead of that, we're all love-starved, right? And we get this, man. By the time you're like 13, when you're a guy in our culture, all you, the only thing that makes you cool and special is if a girl thinks you're cool and special. And it's the same way with the girl. You're only good and special and beautiful if a guy thinks you're good and beautiful and special. And if they don't like you that way, you, you come up with an alternate value system. I'm going to be really smart or really weird or really good at sports or really strong really smart, right? All these things that we want to do because we've lost hope, we've lost heart, we never got the love we were created to get. Instead, we were supposed to be walking like as someone who was so loved, like a little version of a kid who was loved well, who's just heartbroken because they couldn't believe that someone would hurt them like that. And they've got to go home, go home where they're loved. And then at home, they're received. And then everything's okay. But that's not in our faith. So we're not alive in him. See, people without hope, what do they do? Preach back to me. What do people without hope do? What's that? They use their flesh for evil. I mean, that's most of the evil in the world. It's people. And when you don't have hope, what are you left to do? I mean, the reality of most adults is just you figure out a coping system to deal with your disappointment, right? That's what it is. We've, we've, felt, we've created a coping system. It could be work. It could, I mean, man, I could make a, a list, but you know it. Workaholics don't do it because that's just the fun thing to do. They do it because there they find value and worth. People don't destroy themselves with drugs, alcohol, sex. They only, to make themselves better, they do it to numb themselves because they think there's no better choice. People don't achieve and push and push and push just because it's fun. They do it because there's something lacking and missing. So we do our mind, right? It chooses. It's caught in the middle of this battle with our flesh that wants to do certain things. It wants to be afraid or lash out. And then our, the in, inner part of us that really wants the goodness of God. And since our mind feels so hopeless, it just goes with it. Instead, what, what John's talking about here is being people who are so loved that you just walk freer. I I don't come to you as a man that's doing this perfectly, but as someone who wants to see this in my life and yours. And that's why John has to write about this love three, 
4, 17, 8,000 times because if we don't get this, there is no system for evangelism. There's no vacation Bible school. There's no YouTube video that's going to complete you if you can't get the love of God. And in the end, you have people, Christians, who say that we trust God with our words, but our actions say that we only can trust ourselves. See, what John is really saying here is that this love that comes from God, it can only be shown, it can only be really experienced to its complete measure when it's given to you and the tangible and the power of God by other people. I, I, know, I know, that that sounds like so so legalistic. But at the end, like I can see this, guys, in like 10 years of being uh, preaching, okay? I see this as we constantly, we want to sit here, we have these affirmations, these affirmations like, oh, man, the women have different ones than the men, right? There's books and there's teachers like, I'm just good enough and God loves me. Nah, 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 nah. Those people never really believe that. Not week after week. They just don't. They just don't. Simple affirmations do not work because they're from you and not from God. The thing that lasts is the Holy Spirit loving you, the Holy Spirit filling you, and the Holy Spirit bringing other people to reflect God's love to you. Sometimes you need a meal when you're sick. Sometimes you need a hug. Sometimes you need to love your kids or love your wife or love your neighbor or love your friend, and you need to really do that in a sacrificial way, and then you know you're part of something bigger than you. Then you know you're in line with God. Then you're receiving his love, and they're receiving yours. They can sit at home alone and talk themselves all they want. You can tell me all day long, I'm a strong warrior for God, and you are too, right? Like, cool, true, but you're, which, which invisible part of God is showing you that? But you get brothers together who fight for their family, for their faith, who love, who get in God's word together, who barbecue burgers together, who like help paint a fence together, who go to the school and paint together and actually do the loving thing, then they believe it. And a woman who's like, oh man, I'm God's princess. It's, it's true, you are, and you're beautiful, and he thinks it. But to have people around you who love you and value, that's when it will stick. That's when it will stick. That's when you'll really believe it. It's not created by the people that do it. It's simply reflected from God through the people, and it becomes visible. The invisible becomes visible by our obedience. So I really think that what, what I'd love for you to do, okay? Let's pretend I had a magic wand again if there was such a thing. You're the church, not me. I am too when I'm sitting here. But when I got this microphone, I'm just the shepherd for the church. So what will the church be? What will the believers be? What will the people be? You have to really consider this question, this question about God's love. Are you reflecting it or or aren't you? See this? I look around that way. I'm not picking on one single person or in the mirror looking at myself. If God loves in a way that has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with him, 
then I'm called to love in a way that has nothing to do with you, but everything to do with him. And by doing that, I join him. Because when I follow God, when I, when I um, obey God, when I join God on his mission, I see myself differently, don't you? No one gets done doing a completely destructive, awful thing, and at the end of it, it's like, I feel pretty good about myself. You just don't. You might repeat that act the very next day, but you don't feel good about it. But in order to to join God, to help him complete the journey of his love to this earth, you've got to love others, irregardless of whether they deserve it or not, without fear. And that's a hard task to do. But let's get real practical. Everything with God seems to work like this. I want you to do this, Will. Okay, God. But you got no ability to do it on your own. Okay, God, this is not going well. But guess what? My power that lives in you is your only chance and hope. Okay, God, so what do I do? Ask for it. Do we ever pray, God, show me how to love. Show me who to love because I want to participate with you in completing the journey of love from God to the people of God. And if I don't participate, it doesn't get there. If you don't participate, it doesn't get there. So here's what we'll do. We'll have the worship team come up. No magic, just because I love it when they come up. And they'll play a little music because I think it's a great time for reflection. Like I said earlier, this, this idea, right, of loving like God is something you can't do in your own power. So whenever you try to do it, you're failing. So my guess is, if I was a mind reader, which I'm not, right? There's nothing prophetic from God. But I'm guessing you're failing to do this because I'm failing to do this. And when we fail to do the things that God's asked us to do, what we're supposed to do is this. We're supposed to stop, right? Just stop a second. Whoa, okay. You bring up a good point, Will, based on the truth of the Scripture. Like, I'm shortcutting God's journey of love from him to the world around them because I'm not participating in it. And when you realize you've done something wrong, what do you do before God? What's that? Repent, right? Which means what? Change your mind. There we go. Let's get that step. You change your mind. Hopefully what you heard here, the Holy Spirit's like, it's true what Will said. It's true what Will said. And that's you. Okay, Holy Spirit. I'm changing my mind. Repent. That's the church word for it, okay? Repent. And then you come before God and say, I confess. I agree with you, God. I can see what Will is saying. Because in my own life, it's hard for me to feel the love of an invisible God unless it's made manifest in my life. And I'm not doing that for others, and I'm not receiving it from you. Forgive me, Lord. Holy Spirit, lead me into receiving the love of others and into giving love to others, reflecting the love of God to the people around me and receiving the love of God from the people around me. Help me to be part of, And I'll I'll repeat this stuff, but you can say it in your own words. Let me be part of of the completion of your love into humanity. 
And who knows what else will come up with that. And maybe other things that you need to confess and lay down before God. Maybe, maybe a good cry you need. Maybe you like need to dance. That's okay too. Uh, Jamie's in the back. She'd love to pray for you. I'm up here. Randy and Sandy are right here. We'd love if you like, like some backup, right? You want some like prayer homies? You got them, okay? So let's just, let's just pray. Um, and then this continues on when you leave, right? Because if we can begin to quit short-circuiting this plan that God had for his love coming to earth, imagine what would happen. Even if we lost the world, it's going to happen. You know, you're not going to turn around global warming today. The pandemic, whether real or fake in our community, is not going to go away. You're not going to get a different, different leadership that's going to make the world better, but God's building his kingdom. That lasts beyond this earth, lasts beyond any nation or, or government or natural disaster. It, it lasts forever. And you and I, if you're hearing his voice, man, wow. Out of all time and all people, we're invited to join him in loving his people. What a blessing. Father, we praise you for your love, for being you, Lord. And I see it. It feels crazy to call you invisible, right? It's all about trying to see you, but that's why, Jesus, you came. We see you. We, we, we know you. We experience you through your spirit, Lord, through your fellowship, through your creation. Man. So that truth, God, that we're invited, not, not just like to go to church, not, not just to do the right thing, but to actually love people regardless of whether they deserve it or not. To be like that home for the people around us where... Where they're safe, there's not fear. I mean, if we, everyone had that, there wouldn't be drug problems or abortion or wars. Like all the things that we're so worried about, so angry about, when what we should be doing is focusing on your commandment and your will and that we should love the people you've given to us around us in an unconditional way. Forgive us, Lord, because we're not doing it. I'm not doing it. Thank you for revealing that to us. We agree with you. It's not good, and we long to be part of your plan to bring your love to this world. So help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Search us, know us, show us where you're calling us to love and who you're calling us to love. Help us as we go out to the people we're supposed to be loving to complete your love today, that we would be reflections of you and your love. Lord, and that the world would have a home with you, and that home would come here in the place of your believers, in the place where the people who love you meet and gather and live and eat and play 
come make your home with us, Lord. This we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.